0: Guys, welcome to the show. Before we get to this episode with Dar Colburn and Phil Kramer, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com and its application season. Uh, don't forget, if you're not an Insider member, go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott. Uh, that's going to get you just by signing up. It's going to get you a $50 GoHunt gear shop gift card. Uh, again, go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up. I want to thank GoHunt.com. Also, the gear shop, my friend Cody Nelson of 20 plus years is the optics manager. If you guys have any optics needs at all, but binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, rangefinders, you name it, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call at 702. Eight four seven eight seven four seven. you can also that's extension 2 you can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone 602-399-3699 I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Kuyu is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts you can uh, find out more and order direct. They're a, consu- a direct-to-consumer uh, business model. You can order directly off the website. That's Kuyu.com. Go to kuiu.com. want to thank them. Also, Phonescope. Go to Phonescope.com. That's the digiscoping adapter I use on all my Instagram photos and videos that you see of animals. Uh, go to Phonescope.com. Use the jscot 20 promo code. That's going to get you a 10% discount onxmaps.com. Go to onxmaps.com. Use the jscot 20 promo code. That's going to get you a 20% discount on all orders. OnX is what I use in my real estate business, my hunting and my fishing. I use it every day. Public, private land overlay. Uh, you can toggle back and forth between aerial, between satellite, between hybrid mode. Uh, there's a line distancing tool. Uh, there's a breadcrumb feature that can track you in and out. You can import, in, export out of uh, Google Earth. It's just a great, great uh, resource. Go to OnyxMaps.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to save 20%. Also, Apex Ammunition. You just heard the last episode. I did a great uh, podcast with one of the co-founders. Uh, they are. It's a USA company. Uh, everything's made in the u.s it's tungsten super shot that's what i'm going to be using on these turkey hunts coming up here this spring you get a lot more pellets in that pattern out there at 20 to 40 50 yards Uh, a lot more pellets in the kill zone they're using tungsten so it's a much denser uh, heavier um, shot and uh, go back and listen to that Episode, you'll learn a lot. I think you'll really enjoy uh, that episode. Go to apexmunition.com to order Apex ammunition, guys. Let's get right to this episode. All right, guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors Podcast. It is 10:27 p.m. on I don't know March 11th or 12th. Uh, I've got Dar Colburn, my longtime partner in Colburn and Scott Outfitters. Long-time real estate partner and overall sidekick. We got Phil Kramer, Kramer Hunts, on Instagram. Our buddy with us, we just made a full-day run down to Sonora, Mexico, uh, scouting some ranches for coos deer and a few mule deer thrown in there. Um, Dar picked me up this morning at 4 a.m. at my house, and it was raining kind of been raining off and on all night guys i think it's going to be a great elk year from everything i've seen um you guys excited about it
1: yeah i think it's going to be really good we've had a lot of moisture yeah
2: it should be phenomenal the the holdover bulls from last year that didn't get killed and then added in to the moisture that we're having this year should be really good yeah you
0: know um i talked to my wife it's we're, we're rolling back here late uh we're just uh across the border. We're actually a little bit north of Tucson. Talked to my wife, she said it rained pretty much all day and it's forecasted over the next two, three days. And even the forecast for tomorrow or next week is more rain. Um, so, I mean, even all of us, you know, elk hunters, mule deer hunters, coos deer, everybody is optimistic again for our, our year in Arizona and across the Southwest. Um, let's talk a little coos deer. So we, we make the trek down uh to go look at some ranch uh properties that we were working on down there and um you know this ranch we went to look at is a a lot more similar to the style of ranches you've been hunting phil um as far as geographically a little bit different terrain and such when we got on the ranch it was nice having you there to be able to kind of compare to what you are used to hunting and the success you've had down there um, but, you know, it always, Dar, I think, you know, we hunt primarily mountain ranches, but it's always kind of fun to go see the desert again and, and see kind of how that country is. I mean, it's haired over and, um, you know, we've had some good success down there in, in some of that country and it was kind of nice to see again.
1: Yeah, it's been a while and it uh, definitely, it's a definitely different animal than the mountain ranches we've been hunting last few years
0: so you know we've talked about and i know phil you and i have talked about on the podcast these you got desert ranches and mountain ranches and one of the neat things is these coos deer you know they live in in both types of terrain and you know you've got you know what i would call the mountain ranches or the stuff that we're hunting that's mostly you know 3,000, three thousand thirty five hundred feet up to you know six seven thousand feet with everything kind of in between there uh, a lot of yellow grass mesquite oaks uh, uh, even up into the, some some pines and you know that takes in sonora that takes in chihuahua mexico or the coos deer um, then we've got the desert ranches that are a lot of a lot flatter in terrain you know, they've got kind of the big Palo Verde washes, um, the buffalo grass, and, and some of that um, great habitat that they have kind of uh, in that desert region. But I mean, even in Arizona, we have, you know, desert country that coos deer inhabit. And then we have um, the mountain, you know, the more mountain stuff, 22s, 23s, 33s. Uh, it's just so cool to have a deer that can get by in pretty much any zone, and even out on the flat desert floor um, they can live, even up in the pines, you know, 8,000 feet, you know, Mount Lemmon, some of the stuff in 33. Um, It's really neat deer. So we make this kind of a bombing run, Dar picks me up at 4, Phil was already early out there waiting for us um, off I-10, and we go bombing down, cross the border. We crossed today at Nogales um i want to say it took us what about four hours i think to get to the border is that about right a little less than that a little less well, coming uh, back yeah. yeah coming back tonight it's all seeming kind of like a blur
1: yeah it took us about four hours from the ranch to the border ranch yeah. turn off to the border
0: yeah so we blow down there this morning kind of got there i don't know around 10 30 or maybe we hit the ranch maybe closer just under 11 yep yeah um drove around, big property, and it's always interesting to just see, you know, with some of these ranches, you know, Phil, you hunt some ranches that have a lot of water, uh, a lot of dirt tanks, a lot of um, pilas and be- bevendettos, I think is what you call them. Mm-hmm. Bevendettos, drinkers. Talk about, uh, let's just kind of jump from today a little bit and talk about your season last year uh, with everything being so wet and having so much water on your ranches how the benefit of having great antlers um, but you know making
2: sometimes conditions tough because of because of the availability of water you bet Um, we had a, a great antler growth year for our country down there and we actually had a lot of big bucks going into the season on camera. Um, we were really excited for it. And we got some kind of unusual rains in December and then again in January. And they just put water everywhere on the ground and the feed was saturated, everything was wet. And uh, it's kind of a catch 22. It's really good for the animals. They're, they're nice and healthy and out moving around. But when you're relying on water to uh, be you know up your success rate on killing these deer it really really throws a wrench into the plans and and uh even though we had probably more big bucks on camera than we've ever seen we we just didn't really get them killed and it's due to the water being so spread out they didn't have to rely on those repressos and bevendettos to come get a drink and and uh even though it was kind of hard to swallow on bringing home you know some guys without filling their tags it really gets us excited for next year because those big bucks didn't get killed and they should be just as big if not bigger than what they were last year coming into next year so
0: you know i think that's one cool thing with the way that you guys um have your program there there and how you run your business is you know you're trying to everybody to shoot mature big you know solid deer so that you know, the following year, you know, maybe you pass a buck, and maybe you don't get one this year, but, you know, he'll be mostly bigger next year, and, um, you know, I know you've, I've seen some of the pictures of, of the bucks on Instagram, Kramer hunts, if you guys haven't been on there, um, but, you know, those desert deer, there's just something about them, you know, the, the bone density seems like they got good mass, um, just really, really good bucks, and you mentioned you had you know some of the best bucks you've seen down there, and weren't able to get them all killed. I mean, those deer could realistically, I mean, be
2: considerably bigger even next year, right? For sure. And as we kind of saw today on our trip, even though we were a little bit further um, west than where I've been hunting, we saw how there was still quite a bit of green and and a lot of uh, good feed left um, that really didn't get hurt during the winter. So the deer we didn't kill or, you know, they did their rut and, and they didn't have to really work hard to recoup the body weight that they lost during the rut. So they should go into this year in great shape. And man, it really gets a guy excited for uh, what the possibilities are. You know, one thing, you know, you, you touched
0: on it is I noticed today even where we were it's pretty arid you know there's some haired over stuff but like you said it was already starting to green up and you know this is going into the dry season um but for me from what i saw and you know we weren't over in your country so to speak um you know we're kind of down in that area but not exactly but i've got to think that you're super optimistic with the fact that you know we had a great you know November December lots of moisture throughout the winter now we're having good spring I mean going into the dry season down there all the tanks you know got a lot of water I mean it was starting to sprinkle on us today coming out of there so I mean as far as capacity I'm excited for all of the stuff that darn I have going as well Um, because I've seen it in times like this where you go down you look at ranches in March and, man, everything's popcorn fart dry, um, you know, it's, it It
2: kind of makes you think, well, how's it going to be, you know? Right. Yeah. From so, what we saw today, I, I think it's going to be going into next year in really good shape this next season. Um, you know, like you said, we're coming into the dry season down there where water's normally really scarce. and. It looked good. I mean, even though, like you said, we were in a, a little bit more arid part, there was still really good water in the reservoirs that, that feed the drinkers and um, should get them through this dry period in really good shape where they don't have to rely on one water source where it can kind of spread the deer out and and reduce the predation. Um, boy, it just everything's pointing to a great year coming up. You know, last year you ended up... Um, I was coming out of, I think,
0: crossing the border, and you sent me a picture of a buck, and you said you had to kind of change things up um, with the strategy, with it with it being so wet. So, just so the listeners understand, a lot of times uh, Phil's able to sit uh, these these big repressos, these big dirt tanks, and you know see sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50 deer. I mean, a lot of deer, uh, and then but when you've got everything's so wet you've got dew on the grass you know it may cut down to what phil i mean sometimes two to sometimes four four, to ten yep Yep. Um, there was
2: a number of days that i didn't have any deer come in um i saw them you know but they weren't coming in to drink they didn't need that that freestanding water because they were getting it off the feed yeah and you kind of switched up tactics and went to
0: glassing. yep had and to go Jimmy old school kind of old schooled it and yeah. you shot a really nice
2: buck i did and and that's fortunate for the the properties that we have is you even though we rely heavily on water when when i have a situation like we did this year we still have some glassable country and get out there and able to watch the deer rut and, and try and you know pinpoint a shooter and then make a stalk on it and Uh, came down to the last day but I was lucky enough to get it done and um, like I said I just I can't help but thinking of all the big bucks we had on camera and saw that we didn't kill and I'm juiced Jay I'm excited I know
0: we all kind of got fired up today just driving around checking out country brings up something you know Dar we've had our share of hunting some desert mule deer but we tend to want to When we're down on these ranches, we've had places where we've had mule deer tags in our pocket when we're hunting ourselves and coos deer tags. And it seems like you and I always end up glassing for coos deer and don't pay as much attention to the mule deer. Uh, We've got some opportunities where we're looking at, you know, trying to find some spot and stock mule deer opportunities. Uh, And we think we found a few would be interested to see if anybody listening out there, if you're interested in mule deer hunting, we might have some opportunities this coming year. I get asked, and I know Dar, you do too, about uh, every year, guys wanting to know about some spot and stalk, you know, glass them up style mule deer hunting, and um, it's nice to have a few of those opportunities, and you know, seeing a couple of those uh, sheds today. Uh, and seeing some of that country where those mule deer are living, it's pretty cool to be able to be up on a desert knob and be glassing both coos deer and mule deer.
1: Yeah, I mean, the opportunity for, for both in the same area is pretty high on, on these ranches, so that's kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, a, it's an awesome time of year. You know, right now, I'm, I'm really, my mind is focused around trying to get my turkey hunts. Uh, I know Dar, I know your boys have a juniors hunt, and I think a regular season hunt and you're going to do some yep. Goulds, um, guiding. I know Phil, you've drawn a Goulds tag in Arizona, uh, I'm going to complete your Royal Slam. Yes, sir. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I know your daughter, I believe has completed a Royal Slam and, uh, she's one-upped her pops. So, um, you're going to get to fulfill that, which is pretty neat. Um, You know moving into this this time of year is always fun because it but it's a lot of work coming off the coos deer hunts uh trying to get all of the ranches lined up for next season uh get all the deposits in and you know get all the contracts out to the the hunters whether it's diy or guided i know phil you've been working on your stuff trying to get your ranches all lined out get all the specifics Uh, But then we're all kind of starting to think about uh, turkeys other than Dar, who, (laughs) you know, draws everything he ever puts in for. His son's now got a a great early rifle tag in Arizona. That's the perception. You know, last year he was up on the 13B on the strip. And, you know, I'm pretty much thinking I need him to fill out my deer application this year and my sheep because he got a sheep tag last year as well. Yeah.
1: We can do that for you. I'll put in with you. How about that?
0: Oh yeah, um, that'll really help me. <laughs> um, you know, it's pretty neat. Just kind of changing the subject here for a second, but uh, you got to see, you got to see your your oldest son um, stalk a desert bighorn with his bow. Yep. And he kind of told you from the beginning that he wanted to get one with his bow, and I was kind of like you know get real you know like come (laughs) on and you're like i think he can do it and dang sure he did you and my nephew sat there and watched him make an incredible stock up on that ram
1: yeah that was probably one of the neatest hunting moments i've had especially in the last you know four or five
0: years i was pretty uh pretty proud proud papa for sure and then your youngest son shot a really nice buck up on the up on the arizona strip in 13b yep um, yep. beautiful buck and you know it's going to be interesting to see with this uh, deer draw you know I've got a bunch of points and you never know one of these days I'll I'll be uh, knocking on that door
1: well you have I think the same, same number of points as uh, my dad last year who drew the tag
0: so I mean I think you're in the chips well we'll see uh, you know with all this moisture it's just one of those things that you know having some points it's always nice to have a year like this where you know you can apply you got to go for it got to go for yeah. it and the antlers will be in good shape um in our winter
1: we we've had good moisture but like even in flagstaff they're not calling for snow right now it's been warm it's been rain which is good it's i don't think it's been a very hard winter on on these animals
0: yeah i mean you know some of the interesting things you know i talked to someone in colorado they were talking about they had like seven feet of snow uh, in the month of February, so I mean I don't know if Phil, if you put in for Colorado, um, but it'll be interesting to see if if these storms pound Colorado right now and if we have any uh, type of winter kill. I hope we don't with the deer. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. But uh, we're rolling on our way back to uh, Phoenix. We're kind of between Casa Grande and Phoenix. I can kind of see the glow of the lights out there. Um, We figured let's just do a little podcast, talk a little bit so we can kind of stay awake. Dar's been kind of dodging and weaving (laughs) for the last two hours. Head bobbing. Head bobbing a little bit. It's been a long day. Yeah. I do have to say um, we almost had to call a. Tow truck down there. Dar (laughs) high centered us. We had to get the old jack out. Make sure we weren't. uh, What happened there?
1: Well, there was a a big drop off on the side of the road, and I thought I was over far enough to miss it. Well, I dropped right in it. So
0: I got out and immediately. Of course,
1: Phil and I are stacking rocks, and Jay's videoing. Yeah. And Instagramming. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty typical.
0: I had to document it. The back right. I guess it would be the passenger side rear uh, wheel was basically dropped into a hole and then the differential, right? Phil, yeah. Was, I mean, literally on, on the, the ground, on the rock. So, yeah, it was always, always
1: adds to the adventure, Jay.
0: Our Mexican friends that were with us were like crazy gringos.
2: <laughs> I will say, though for as bad as it looked we got out of there pretty good yeah oh. it was
1: yeah. not too bad we got it got it taken care of rather quickly and back on the road
0: and i was able to document everything while they were stacking rocks i didn't want to get too dirty you yeah. know
1: one thing one thing about mexico is you know we just ran down for the day but that's part of why i like going is just the adventure part of it and every place is different and it, that's i mean I don't go down there just to shoot stuff anymore. It's it's all part of the adventure and seeing a new country and it's it's, it's what so I love about it. It's how
0: you can be up here in Phoenix, you know, in city life and what have you, and you know, five, six hours, you're down and it's literally like going back in time like a yeah. hundred years. Yeah. It feels like some of the, you know, just some of the stuff you see down there and you know, even going to like some, some of the way that they you know, fasten the gates and you know some of the just the cool stuff that the that the cowboys and stuff come up with down there, um, and some of the ingenuity. You know, it, it's it's pretty wild to see how they do some of their water systems and gravity-fed stuff. Um, and
1: yeah, and you get back on these ranches, and it's it's such a simple life. I mean, they don't need much. Oh man, I mean, and the, and three they get of those by ranch with so we little, and
0: it's like, I mean you're thinking how in the world and they live you know at this particular place they're just have seemed happy as clams yeah. yeah with with very little what yeah. we would think is very little and um, great people great country love the yeah. terrain you know I was saying this morning we were all kind of fired up It just Sun was coming up and we're in Mexico we're driving south I mean it just brings up so many good memories Dar and I were driving. It was pretty fun. We're like, oh, we've been over at that ranch and over <laughs> yeah. at that ranch. And we were telling stories, telling Phil all the our horror stories of Mexico, I guess. Well, not uh, horror stories. Reliving the glory days. Glory days. That's
1: it. Yeah. All
2: days. the good adventures, as as Dar says. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But it's it's definitely neat seeing the different country, even though we were on a desert ranch, how it varied quite a bit from it the did. ranches I yeah. hunt. Yeah. and. I mean, you get, you have the big mountains and then the, the low valleys where there are a lot of Palo Verde and organ pipe cactus, and driving down the road, look out under, you know, a Palo Verde, and there stands a coos deer in the middle of the flat. It's just yeah, just fun, seeing the different stuff and getting to experience it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Phil, I know you guys, you've got a elk tag or two, and in your future coming up and i know dar you've got a great tag um, two two great tags yeah actually both of your boys have tags yeah, which yeah. should be should be an amazing year um how are you going to kind of just roll from the archery hunt straight into the rifle is that what your plan is yeah yeah
1: hopefully we can be done in the archery hunt in, the, in a week or so and then i can go over and scout for the early rifle hunt there. are they're not too far apart, but they're different units, so should be, uh should be fun. I think the antler growth is going to be incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, you come off um, the dry year of 2018, and then you throw in 19. was a, Last year was a great moisture year. It wasn't a great monsoon at all.
1: Yeah, and I would say hunting it last year with, with Parker, um, the archery hunt, I, the rut was weird and not great uh, i think the the dry summer no
0: monsoon stuff it, affected do we really the really have the the to, rut. Listen to this? <laughs> <laughs> like a 392 bowl or something and he's talking about yeah yeah the well, rut was tough for you and wasn't. the growth you was kill on the first day second oh second
1: yeah. and the growth was great but the i mean rutting bugling wise uh, I, from everyone i talked to the consensus was it was sporadic and i kind of noticed that even on the the coos deer ranches this year to to me seemed like those does weren't cycling like all all around as much yeah this i mean year. i
0: think the the total lack of monsoon i mean i think it was one of the worst monsoons we've had in long long time i think it throws everything off i mean i think all of the diy and the guided hunters across the board and even a bunch of our friends dan dan bishop cola blanca outfitters i mean we you know phil i think you had pretty good running actually where you were i think where your ranches were potentially had actually got some pretty decent rain we, um, we
2: did but i think it was spotty even there jay yeah. um and i think it had to do with the the lack of monsoon like you guys are talking about where the deer were just cycling in different times mm-hmm
0: and sporadic which then creates sporadic and when you're when you're on mountain ranches where you're able to glass quite a bit and you're seeing quite a bit of deer and you go in one canyon and you know you're glassing and there's like does and then there's bucks together and then you might go you know go down the road hike out to a point and you might have you know bucks chasing does like crazy i mean dar you guys you and parker went kind of on a early kind of an exploratory mission uh between christmas around new year's and yeah y- you called me down there and we're like jay the deer running around it's yeah like, like fighting like, breaking fighting. Antlers, yeah, like you like, were almost ready to shoot a buck i think yep and another buck rolled in and got him out of his bed and broke a point off you're like yep. well can't shoot that one now
1: yeah it was it was crazy and that was that was right around the first or second of uh of
0: january I would say across the board, you know, I was finished tw- my 24th season in, in Mexico, from all reports across the board, the most sporadic, inconsistent rut for a season that I've really ever heard of.
1: Yeah, and it, it seemed like, you know, we've hunted a lot of ranches year after year, and, and, and even if we're not hunting, we know who's hunting them. and ranches that produce, you know, nice bucks consistently year in and year out just didn't produce them this year, which I got to think is because of that lack of moisture in the, the prime antler growth season monsoons.
0: Well, and you think of these coos too. I mean, they drop later. They start growing later. Right, like, right. they're, I mean, they're still carrying their antlers. The elk have been cleaned off and, you know, they're already bugling and the coosters still have their velvet. Yeah, they're still growing in that July, August. I think when that July, no monsoon in July, no monsoon in August, and then started raining a little bit at the end of August. But at that point, it's pretty much too late.
1: Yeah, so when we were going through St. George up on uh, Paul's, the strip hunt, I want to say they were saying that day it was... I think 155 days in St. George where they hadn't had rain. That's a long time without yeah. moisture. And, and that's kind of... The mule deer did great because they, they got that spring moisture. But those coos deer, like you said, grow later and I think that just really affected them personally.
0: Yeah, for sure. I just drove by, or we just drove by, I noticed it said gas was 245 a gallon. That was yeah, that's that's pretty nice. good. There's a big um, deal going on, I guess. Russia and Saudi Arabia having a kind of a price war, but it's probably going to make our gasoline prices go down, which is awesome, uh, especially going into turkey season where we're going to be using quite a bit of fuel. Phil, I noticed you're not. Uh, you normally go to Texas. You didn't make the Texas trip. Uh, It's probably killing you not to go to Texas for turkeys this year.
2: It is. I mean normally I'm gearing up to go and get ready for the opener in the south zone in Texas and and I'm not doing that this year so I'm uh, going through some withdrawals. Fortunately uh, you guys keep me on my toes with some adventures like this to keep my mind occupied but um, I'll be helping out on the youth hunt in uh, Arizona so at least I'll get to start in April. And then uh, maybe maybe I can hold over long enough to get onto my hunt down there in May. So. And
1: you, did you draw, is there a first
2: hunt or second hunt? or what is I drew the second hunt, okay. so I think it starts like May 8th. So. Gotcha.
0: You know, one thing about that second hunt, um, I think it's a really good time. It's a little late this year. I think the it 8th is. is about as late yeah, as they'll run is. that, start yeah. that second hunt. But one thing i like about that is a lot of times those hens are you know as soon as they fly off the off the limb they're headed to the nest yeah yeah and some of them are you know on the nests and those gobblers it seems like they kind of get fired up again around that same time i think you'll probably do really really well
2: that that's what i'm hoping for i'm hoping they're You know, they're back out on the hunt looking for another hen that maybe hasn't been bred yet and kind of get into that really second good goblin frenzy. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, the mountains down south in Arizona where the Goulds are, they've had really good moisture throughout. And and like Dar was saying, it wasn't a hard winter. So they should be coming into a really good spring. And I got my hopes up. The only thing I will say on on that hunt
1: Parker had that that tag a few years ago or had a Gould's tag down there. And it can get pretty dang hot on those, you know, you get into May in that, that time frame.
0: You know, I think that brings up a good point. I've gotten a few Instagram questions on it that I haven't actually been able to answer very well. Maybe we'll talk about it. But, you know, with the early season and then you've got, you know, in Arizona, the second season's and, and you bring up a good point of it being warm during the day, a lot of times they'll be really fired up off the roost, they'll gobble good. Um, what I found during the day, if if, if you're going to be hunting in the conditions and you notice that the weather is, you know, you're going to have four or five hot days in a row, um, that's going to make me want to really concentrate around water, it seems like when it gets hot, those those. Turkeys, like a lot of animals, are going to want to go get make sure they get a drink. I know when it's hot and dry, um, turkeys have to drink just about every day, uh, especially if it's dry. They have to drink every day. So for those of you out there, if if you've got that second hunt and it does get kind of warm, like Dar, what you're saying, I think you know make sure midday you're kind of around water. Not a yep. bad idea to go to a. You know, if you find some dirt tanks where you've got quite a bit of track and sign, you know, maybe just go hang out do some light calling around and catch those gobblers that are, you know, maybe out looking for some hens, go get a drink. Um, but the other thing, too, is you want to check those um, drainage bottoms and, and and even some of those canyons where they might get some of that shade where they're actually or live shaded water. up a little bit because they'll kind of loaf around. Yeah. I've seen them where, you know, they'll find those big oak hammocks where there's just big big shade trees and they're just kind of loafing yeah and if you can find some live water in there you know
1: that's another great I mean, they great love spot live water, yeah.
0: for sure absolutely phil any thoughts on that
2: oh, i agree 100 percent um you know and a lot of times it's a nice spot to to find that water and you go shade up too because like dar said it's warm and you have just as good a chance as catching that gobbler coming in as you do out trying to prospect and move around so Um, couldn't agree more
0: and a lot of times too I'll see them right before they fly up a lot of times they'll hit water before because it's you know they're hot all day they'll go get some water so they can sit up on that limb and and think about the hens all night long Um, but you know make sure you check the water and I've gotten some questions too about roosting birds Um, you know for me Roosting birds and having birds to get on in the morning is starts your day out much better where you've got a plan. Um, so make sure that you're staying out there in the afternoon or in the evening um, and at that prime time. You know, 10 minutes before fly up through fly up time and even you know 30, 40 minutes after fly up, uh, trying to cover country and trying to figure out and pinpoint those birds. And we've talked about on the podcast before, it's so important to really pinpoint, like I want to know the exact tree that those birds are in, and I want to get a good visual of where, where you want to be set up in the morning. Um, and a lot of times I'll try and get as close as I can and use my binoculars and look up there and try and spot the birds up in the tree and then try and figure out, okay, where are they going to fly down and where do I need to be set up? And then from wherever I'm at, I'll either mark on onyx um, or, you know, basically take, take a picture in my mind of, okay, I'm at this tree, but I need to go another, you know, 75 steps up. You know, I kind of try and calculate, if I can get to right here in the morning, in the dark, I need to go like 50 steps up and kind of plan it out and aim for a certain tree because in the morning, everything looks different. It's dark as can be. You're not using a light. You know, I don't use a light because a lot of times those birds will see it. Uh, and, but being in a good position and roosting birds is, I mean, we've all hunted where we don't have birds roosted. And you kind of feel like you're lost. You kind of feel like you don't know where to start. But if you've got a place picked out, birds roosted, at least you have some birds to work first thing right off the roost.
2: Well, and along those lines, like you said, you take that mental picture in your mind, but then really paying attention on how to get in back into it in the morning when you're leaving that spot in the dark, you know, marking uh, whether it be breadcrumbs or um, on your Onyx or physically marking it the way in by trees or landmarks. So that way, the next morning in the dark, you can get in there quiet and uh, get set up where you need to be. For
0: sure. Yeah, and
1: I'll, I, I even like to try and find an opening to set up in um, so you're not brushed up, you know, so that it's not too thick where you're at. And a lot of times I'll set the decoys out that night if I can.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing to point out, Dar. Yeah. But needs to be pointed out for those listening that, that maybe aren't as experienced. Like, if you've got birds roosted, you need to let it get pitch black dark, like really, really dark, and then you can ease out there and put yeah. your decoys. So first thing in the morning, you slide in there in the dark. You don't, you're not clanking around, right. and putting up decoys and, and moving around. Cause a lot of times those birds, um, you know, the gobblers and stuff will be asleep, but every once in a while you'll get hens that are just up. And how many times have we slid in close to a roost and had a uh, hen just kind of up there, putting away a little bit, knowing something's there um, so I like to get in there really early that way, you know, they have cattle, they have elk, they have deer, bears, whatever, walking around a lot at night. And a lot of times if you can get in there early, even if those hens have, you know, heard something and they're kind of making some noise, if you're in there early enough, you can get set up, get everything settled down and just sit there. Don't make any noise for 20, 30 minutes, let everything settle back down. And it seems like sometimes the birds will just fire up and, 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 Act like nothing happened. Definitely. Been a fun day. It's been a long day. Yeah, it's Uh, 11.03 and we're still... Still rolling. Still... The lights of Phoenix, the glow's getting... Getting a little bit bigger. Uh, Guys, I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, Dar, it's always great. Been on a lot of great adventures. Phil, fun with you as well. Um, Thanks for... Thanks for chatting, and uh, look forward to doing
2: something like this again. Sounds uh, good. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, it's been been a fun day, like you say a long day, but it's always great getting with you and, and seeing different country, and uh, can't wait to do it again.